It's the Veterans Radio Hour. Brought to you by Dallas Corporation for all your corporate printing needs. And by GIM Productions, creating internet solutions. Websites can do that. Now, stay tuned. The Veterans Radio Hour is next on the Veterans Radio Network. Tango Charlie Bravo, you're a go for the Veterans Hour. Whether it's a web application or a media-rich website you seek, GIM Productions would like to introduce you to our team of professionals and the services we offer. Contact us at 877-256-6914 or visit us online at GIMProductions.com. Welcome, one and all, to the Veterans Radio Hour. It's our tribute to all of those who served our great nation's armed forces, past and present, and their tremendous accounts of heroic duty and bravery. With your host, Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, coming to you live from our Veterans Center studio, here is General Dave. Good evening, General Dave Grange here, and tonight's show is Preserving Veterans Stories. The last show we talked about uh, the 19 million veterans in the United States of America today, and uh, we talked about uh, approximately 1,500 die every day. So how do you capture their memory, those experiences, the heroics, the sacrifices? So we're gonna discuss this tonight with several wonderful guests, what has been done, what can be done, what should be done. In the studio with us, we have Colonel Andrew Gilmore, United States Air Force for the past 26 years, B-52 pilot, stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. And with him is his wife, Technical Sergeant Patty Gilmore, uh, United States Air Force as well for the past 19 years, also at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, a unit deployment manager. And on the telephone with us will be uh, Lou Rita, president of executive and executive producer of the Lou Rita Productions Incorporated. It produces leading and innovative, high-quality documentary films, military for the most part. A veteran uh, of the Navy, Seabees in the Pacific, World War II. And also on the telephone is Peter, uh, Peter uh, Bartis, senior program officer for the Veterans History Project, a folklore specialist for more than 25 years at the Library of Congress, has a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania. And also on a telephone with us will be Bill Murray, the CEO of Kensington Technology Group, founder of Dreampatch Ventures out of California. And now to the executive producer, Kenny DeCamp. Thank you, General Dave. Yes, we're going to have a great show on preserving all those history stories of all of us that have served so well, something we're all going to learn a lot about tonight. And please, if you're listening in on the radio station, call in at 866-928-2329 for your comments and questions to General Dave or any of our participants, as well as you can give us an email or go directly to our live chat room VeteransRadioHour.com. And now, General Dave, who are we dedicating tonight's show to? I think it's appropriate that tonight's show is dedicated to uh, Andrew Gilmore's dad. Colonel William F. Gilmore, deceased 
flew B-17s in World War II with the 8th Air Force. He was a member of the uh, 384th Bomb Group, the 544th Bomb Squadron, the 8, 812th Bomb Group, and the 482nd Squadron. After, after the war, uh, he served with the 14th Troop Carrier Squadron. He left active duty uh, in 1947 and stayed in the Air Force Reserves. He retired from the reserves in 1960 in a grade of colonel. Going back a ways, he entered the service in 1940 as an air cadet. His decorations uh, include the Silver Star, the Distinguished Flying Cross with two oak leaf clusters, Purple Heart, and the Air Medal with two oak leaf clusters. He earned a Silver Star as an aircraft commander under Barrel House Bessie during an attack on Bremen, Germany. He was forced to ditch the plane in the North Sea. Here's today's military quote of the day, brought to you with support from retired Lieutenant Colonel Dan Bogievich. Uh, the quote tonight is from a retired Lieutenant, Gen Lieutenant General David Grange, Jr., an Army Ranger legend, fought in three wars, a 41-year military career. Yes, my dad. Uh, we're in Vietnam together. We're pretty close about certain things, obviously. He, uh, he has a quote here that he put into the Army Times on July 8th of uh, this year. I, he, uh, I quote, I joined the Army in 1943. I retired in June of 1984. Therefore, I believe my views on two basic but vital areas have a strong foundation. First, I have always been proud of the way the Army has continued to strengthen and nurture the notion that every soldier has the opportunity to be all you can be. By the way, that's the old Army slogan, be all you can be. I am a good example of that, a young enlisted parachute infantryman who was given a chance to attend officer candidate school and retire as lieutenant general. The second area is the fantastic growth in realistic, challenging, and, and meaningful training. Our military today has the finest training structure, both for the individual and for its units in the entire world. I am proud to have been a part of this tremendous progress. You're listening to the Veterans Hour with retired Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, back to the broadcast. Okay, and now back uh, to, our, to our wonderful guest for this evening's uh, theme, uh, Preserving Veterans Stories. Again in studio is Colonel Andrew Gilmore, United States Air Force, and Technical Sergeant Patty Gilmore, uh, Andy's uh, spouse, also United States Air Force. Um, on the line, uh, telephone uh, with us is Lou Rita. Uh, I talked about uh, a little bit about his Lou Rita Productions a moment ago uh, when we started the show. Uh, just to give you a little bit of an idea, uh, his archives constitutes the largest and most comprehensive library of historical military film footage in America. He's produced more than 100 cable and network specials and uh, series episodes seen regularly on the A&E Television Network, the History Channel, and the Discovery Channel. Uh, oh, and by the way, as I said earlier, he, is a, he was a United States Navy veteran, so he knows his stuff. But let me just mention a couple of things that, that Lou has produced. Uh, as an example in biographies, General Douglas MacArthur, Return of a Legend, General Chessy, Chesty Puller, other titles, Airborne, Death from Above, also Desert Storm, The Ultimate War in 90 Minutes. Uh, and another one, uh, net, network production you may have uh, seen, 
is Blue and Gray for the CBS TV network eight-hour miniseries. So he's, he's produced a lot of stuff uh, for the, uh, in regards to the military and captured history, things that we should be proud of and, and always remember. Uh, and then again, uh, on the telephone with us is also Peter, Peter uh, Bartis, the senior program officer for the Veterans History Project, folklore specialist, over 25 years of Library of Congress. And so he'll be sharing his insights. And then, of course, uh, Bill Murray, a close, a close friend of uh, Colonel Gilmore in the studio with us, and, uh, and his founder of Dream Patch Ventures in, in California. And we're going to discuss some of his products tonight uh, on the show. But let me, let me turn first. Uh, to uh, Colonel Gilmore, uh, Andy here in the in the studio, uh, and his uh, wife Patty. Uh, thanks for being with us tonight. We appreciate it, and you're going to share some memories with us tonight about your dad. Yes, sir. And uh, we, we we thank you for that. Um, you know, your family, uh, as mine, uh, has a legacy of service to the nation. Uh, and just talk about that. Talk about a little bit about uh, your service, both of you, your dad. And uh, I also, I believe your son is, uh, is getting ready to start. So go ahead and share that with us, please. Yes, well, I, I came in the Air Force back in 1976, and I always knew when I was growing up that I wanted to come in the Air Force and I wanted to fly because as I grew up, up on the wall was a, a painting that my dad had done in France after the war of him in his uniform and then his shadow box with all of his medals and his wings. And I grew up knowing I wanted to go in the Air Force. So I went in the Air Force, and uh, at the time I became a captain, I was just a junior captain. Dad passed away 22 years ago, and all that history went with him. And so all throughout the years, uh, I've tried to tell our, our kids and uh, everybody else about the amazing contributions that Dad had, but I only had bits and pieces of that. So over the years, for example, I went to the Air Force Historical Research Agency down at Maxwell Air Force Base, Alabama, where they have some of the original documents, the yellow pieces of paper that somebody typed out in the squadron. And I pieced together what I could. But then just recently, my wife Patty and my best friend Bill Murray, as a surprise for my retirement ceremony, collected all this history, recreated my father's shadow box that had been long gone, and uh, it was just an amazing ceremony and even had our son, Andrew Jr., who's in junior Air Force ROTC in, in high school. Yeah, so he's in junior ROTC right now. Yes, sir. And that's great. And Patty, uh, how did you maintain operational security for the surprise uh, retirement party? Well, sir, they've taught me for 19 and a half years in the Air Force how to do that. Yeah, and so uh, so you put this stuff together. It was, it was a lot of work, right? Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of time spent um, on the phone, Bill Murray and I, a lot of email traffic, Anytime I could get an opportunity to get on the phone when Andrew wasn't around, then we were sleuthing to, to gather information and uh, pull it all together. When he would be TDY, I'd go drag information out of his study, uh, his dad's history and, and pictures and letters. And, and you could pull all this information together and you could tell a story when you could pull all the pieces together. Yeah, I tell you, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to reconstruct uh, history like that unless... Uh, I mean, there's ways to do it, but I mean, if you if you if you were disciplined enough to do it as it happened, that'd be great. But usually, there's always pieces missing, and so now there's some venues to do that. And speaking of that, I want to turn to Bill Murray, a close Air Force buddy of yours, and it was key to this. Bill, are you with us? Yes, sir. Bill, uh, could you explain uh, what you did uh, for uh, the Gilmores uh, on a project? Uh, yes, sir. Well, mostly I worked very hard for uh, Sergeant Gilmore day and night. Uh, researching on the internet, looking up 
uh, old friends of Andrews and various research organizations on the 384th bomb, bomb group and the 482nd Pathfinder bomb group. And frankly, since the dawn of the Internet here, there is an incredible volume of data available on World War II units, on the missions people flew, on the accident you spoke about in the North Sea, and uh, resources to help reproduce metals, reproduce patches for the units, et cetera. They're all out there now. Now, did you, uh, there's a book here in the studio with us on Colonel William uh, Gilmore, uh, Andrew's dad. Uh, you, you produced this, this book. Yes, sir, I did. Yeah, now is this, is this done through Dreampatch Ventures, or what, what, what business do you do this through? Uh, we did that through Book Factory, uh, which is oh, a print-on-demand okay, right. print uh, business that we have. That you, that you also are in charge of that, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. This is a beautiful book, and, uh, you know, in a studio here, and I wish uh, uh, the audience could see it, but uh, just they captured the orders uh, uh, of the individual. It talks this some... Uh, it talks about the uh, uh, some of the history, obviously, the events. Uh, for instance, the early years, the 8th Air Force, 384th Bomb Group, uh, ditching the Barrow House Bessie. That's the the English Channel mission I, or, that we talked about. The Pathfinders, Letters Home, After the War, Military Records, uh, there's photos, and then just some other stuff. It's very nicely done, hardbound book uh, that uh, captured service to the United States of America and a legacy of the family. Uh, and so a wonderful piece of work. And uh, of course, with your, uh, Patty's uh, aggressiveness uh, with Bill that it made it happen. I think, I think that's wonderful. I want to leave uh, the Gilmores just for a moment and go to our other two guests for, for a few minutes on the first segment of the show and, uh, and turn to, uh, to Lou. Lou, are you with us, sir? Yes, I am. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, you know, just going over the things that you have produced, it's 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 phenomenal. And you know, I've seen a lot of these shows, but I just now I now I know who who uh, who made them. And it, beautiful, well done. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And uh, just would you just could you just explain to the audience just a little bit of uh, your your just your your thirst for producing these things uh, on the history, mainly military history of the United States of America. Well, uh, currently, uh, in view of the fact that you have uh, several Air Force people in the studio, we're currently doing a four-hour uh, mini-series on the battle history of the uh, Air Force uh, from the very beginning to the uh, present time. And our uh, historian that we're working with is uh, Richard Hallion, who is the senior historian for the, uh, for the Air Force. And along the same lines, we've done the uh, four hours on the battle history of the Navy, uh, four hours on the battle history of the uh, Army, uh, the Marine Corps, and we've worked very close with, uh, with the, as a matter of fact, we're doing something with the uh, DJ Museum. Steve Ambrose's son was up to visit with us about, uh, about a week and a half or so ago, where we're doing some things with them, and we've supplied them with all of the footage that they needed uh, in the uh, museum to uh, make all of that work, as well as uh, working with the Nimitz Museum in, uh, in Texas with uh, Helen McDonald down there, uh, which who we have been working with for a long time, and the 8th Air Force Museum down in, uh, on the outskirts of uh, Savannah, run by uh, General uh, Buck uh, Shore. 
And one of the interesting, this is just a little sidebar to that uh, introduction down there to uh, uh, his museum. Uh, a few years ago, I needed some uh, photographs, and they eventually eventually got to uh, General Buck, and he uh, said, fine, I'll send you the photographs. And in closing, he asked me, he said, Lou, were you, in the, uh, were you a veteran? I told him I was in the Seabees. The reason I'm telling you this is because how ironic some of these things can ha that can happen. And he, when I, I told him I was in the Seabees, he said his father was in the Seabees. Well, to make it a long story short, in my platoon, there are 200 people in the platoon. It turns out his father was my lieutenant when I was in the Seabees out in the Pacific. And out of 200 guys, it turns out that out of you know 30 million people who were in the service, it turns out that his father was uh, uh, my commanding uh, officer during the time period I was in the service. So we became very friendly, and we're doing uh, quite a few things with and for the uh, for the museum down in Savannah. But most of the shows that we have produced uh, going from World War One to the Civil War. We did a whole series on the Civil War, uh, World War One, a ton of them during the World War II time period, uh, Korea, uh, the Fire and Ice show on Korea, uh, War Chronicles, American War, Secret Weapons, and uh, uh, rather than the hundred shows or so, in, without exaggeration, General, we probably have done over 400 documentaries over the last 30 years that uh, constantly appear either on the um, History Channel or on the uh, A&E network. Well, you know what we want to do? You mentioned uh, the, the shows, four-hour shows on the Air Force, uh, Navy. I'm sure on the Air Force you're going to hit the Army Air Corps up front of that. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then uh, Marine Corps. Uh, and, and when you do that, I, we need to have you back on again because uh, when we when we do the service-specific shows, uh, you would be a great uh, contributor to that. If, uh, if the time works out, uh, we would very much like to have you with From us. From the Pacific area? Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, just yeah. because you when you produce these things, you're going to have a great baseline to, to, to help us out in the show. We, we'd like to do that. I'd like to break just for a minute to sure. go to Peter uh, uh, Bartas just for a minute. And, you know, I never realized. Peter, are you with us? Yes, I'm with you. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, explain the folklore specialist. Uh, I didn't know that was the, we had those in the, in the Library of Congress, but I'm fascinated with the, with the title. Well, uh, I'm, I am a, a trained folklorist, just like anthropology in many ways. Uh, we study uh, traditional culture in the United States for the American Folklife Center, which is a national center um, uh, for folklife studies. And basically, it's an, it's an organization that documents and preserves all aspects of cultural, uh, culture in the United States. So it's a fitting place for this the Veterans History Project to be. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's great. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And uh, uh, can I talk a little bit about oh, the Oh, yeah, please. We want to hear about it. Oh, well, the Veterans History Project was created by an act of Congress in 2001. 2000, I mean, and uh, unanimously supported by the House and Senate. And it calls for the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress to create a collection to collect all histories of war veterans from World War I, World War II, and the Korean, Vietnam, and Persian Gulf Wars. And also to collect and document all histories from those who served in support of the war effort. And we're collecting 
uh, videotape, sound recordings, collections of letters, diaries, maps, not tangible material artifacts. And we're collecting from all branches of the service, including the Coast Guard and World War II Merchant Marine. But what makes this a very special project is that Congress, when they asked the library and the Folklife Center to do this, uh, said, we want you to involve the American people. And of course, you said the number of veterans. We have 19 million veterans. And the only way we could do it was to ask the American people to be a, become a part of this project, to own this project. So right now, we have over 500 official partners nationally, including BFW, DAV, um, and, in, and in, the, uh, in, in the Illinois area, ranging from the uh, Bartlett High School to uh, uh, the Indian Prairie Public Library to the West Chicago City Museum. And we have partners like that in all the states. And we have a volunteer corps that has so far um, requested over 100,000 of the kits that we have available online. And I hope that some, at some point your listeners will have a pencil and paper handy. I can give them our website because we also have hundreds of thousands of people visiting our website. Yeah, at the end of the show, uh, when we do the wrap-up, I'd ask you to please relay that when sure. you do your closing comments. You know, in, the, in William uh, Gilmore's uh, book here, the collection of uh, his history uh, with uh, Bill Murray, obviously making it happen, along with uh, Andrew's wife, Patty, uh, there's a whole chapter in Letters Home, which is great. You know, we're the McCormick Tribune Foundation, which I'm a, a member of, uh, we support, I think it's the Bartlett School here in Illinois, we're supporting uh, funding that, that program and, and helping with uh, uh -huh. record those, those stories uh, with our research library at the, the foundation here in Cantini, in our museum. And we're always so, excited to see uh, high schools getting involved. Uh, we, think every, we think every high school student should have the opportunity to interview a war veteran. Absolutely, and going to we have to we're going to have to break away. We're going to come back to our guests. Please stay with us, Kenny. Thank you, General Dave. This is our 15th program. We thank you all for being with us uh, at VeteransRadioHour.com or on one of our 80-some stations across the country. Tonight again, I'd like to recognize Military.com. They are connecting the military community with all the benefits of service. One of the great things they had that maybe one of our guests even used was the ability to locate some of your friends through military.com, saluting all those who answered the call to our nation's service. The National Vietnam Veterans Art Museum here in Chicago, 18th and Indiana. We'd like you to someday when you're visiting Chicago, come by and visit us quite a unique uh, museum because we have the ceiling as Washington DC has the wall dedicated to those who gave their service in Vietnam at nvvam.org and I want to thank the City of Chicago Veterans Council for all they've done to us as well as I want to also thank uh, uh, the American Legion Post 57 and 75 here in Illinois who have started to support and plug in with us more and more. Next week's show, we want you to have a holiday party with us. We're going to talk about the holidays and the veterans, what they do during the holidays, what kind of special effects happen with the holiday time for all of our veterans. For now, we'll be right back after these messages. The Veterans Hour continues to salute our nation's armed forces and their families when the Veterans Hour continues on the TRN Talk Radio Network.
Veterans Hour now returns to full readiness on the TRN Talk Radio Network. The Veterans Hour proudly presents our military hero story of valor. We have a great hero tonight, Marine, a second lieutenant, John Bobo, United States Marine Corps Reserve from Niagara County, New York. In the Republic of Vietnam, 30 March 1967, Lieutenant Bobo was a member of Company I, 3rd Battalion, 9th Marines, 3rd Marine Division. He was a weapons platoon commander in Quan Tri Province. Uh, Company I was establishing a night ambush site when the command group was attacked by a reinforced North Vietnamese company supported by heavy automatic weapons and mortar fire. Second Lieutenant Bobo immediately organized a hasty defense and moved from position to position, encouraging the outnumbered Marines despite the murderous enemy fire. When an exploding enemy mortar round severed Second Lieutenant Bobo's right leg below the knee, he refused to be evacuated and insisted upon being placed in a firing position to cover the movement of the command group to a better location. With a web belt wrapped around his leg, serving as a tourniquet, and with his leg jammed into the dirt to contain the bleeding, he remained in his position and delivered devastating fire into the ranks of the enemy attempting to overrun the Marines. Second Lieutenant Bobo was mortally wounded while firing his weapon into the main point of the enemy attack, but his valiant spirit inspired his men to heroic efforts. He was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. The Veterans Radio Hour salutes the Active Service Person of the Week, made possible through the support of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer. As they say, PB Army, ASAP. Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, available at your local retail outlet. Okay, tonight we're going to honor a Dr. Uh, Craig Carter. He's our uh, mobilized... Uh, Member serving overseas, Lieutenant Colonel and Commander of the United States Army's 994th Medical Detachment Veterinary Services. It's a 24-person team. It's the first uh, Reserve Veterinary Forces unit that's been deployed for Operation Enduring Freedom. The team comprises eight veterinarians and 17 veterinary technicians and food safety inspection technicians. He's the head of uh, uh, ophthalmology and informant. Uh, informat informatics at the Texas Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Laboratories at Texas A&M University. His mission is twofold, to take care of the military dogs that detect landmines and explosives and patrol the military bases and to ensure the safety and quality of the food being served to U.S. soldiers. It's a tough job because the dogs have to operate up to 130 degrees Fahrenheit and below freezing at times and a lot of injuries that occur to the dogs and they must be kept healthy to take care of the troopers. He says the main reward is having the honor and privilege of serving our country at a great time of need. You're tuned to the Veterans Radio Hour with retired General Dave Grange coming to you from the Veterans Center Studio. And now, back to the show. Okay, back again to our guest, Preserving Veteran Stories. In the studio with us, we have Colonel Andrew Gilmore, his spouse, Technical Sergeant Patty Gilmore. On the telephone, we have Lou Rita, the president and executive producer of Lou Rita and P Productions Incorporated, and Peter uh, Bartis, who's with the Library of Congress as a folklore specialist, and also on the telephone, Bill Murray, uh, Murray a founder of Dream Patch Ventures in California. I'd like to turn now to the Gilmores and let them just explain a little bit about uh, how important it was to, uh, to have their dad, his service, 
uh, following his footsteps, service, the family serving. Uh, please share, share some of those experiences with us. One of the reasons that Patty and Bill came up with this idea is because I was determined not to have a big retirement ceremony. And they knew that, that, if, that if I had a retirement ceremony, it had to be about something other than me. And so uh, Patty knew and Bill knew what a big impact Dad had on my life. And, and growing up, for example, he, as kids, he would show us the flack in his arm that he still had from World War II. Uh, his eyes had been damaged in a cockpit fire in, in one of the missions, so, uh, you know, he was somewhat hindered by that. But all, all that history that I grew up with, so it was a, a huge tribute that they went back and, and called my brothers, and they, they went in attics and looked in boxes, and then they have a piece here and a piece there. And and the fact that Dad, when he when he went two, 22 years ago, all that history went with him, uh, and you can't ask the veterans now that are gone to remember that and and the thing that we wanted to pass along is is talk to your dads talk talk to your your moms that serve your know, grandparents and capture that history while they're still here because it's just so difficult afterwards and the heroic efforts that patty and bill did in using the internet using every resource available to pull together the book the shadow boxes and all that is just incredible yeah, uh, Patty, what the, you brought in some of the shadow boxes. Could you explain those? And so the, they're, they're very nice to see. And I and just for the guests, go ahead and, and talk about them. I sure wish we could share them to show them to everyone. But um, something that, that Andrew had always told me was his dad had silver eagles made uh, during World War II. And so when I was deployed to Kuwait three years ago, I had silver eagles made for him. When we went to go back and uh, we didn't realize that his father's shadow box no longer existed. I called his mother because I wanted to create a shadow box just like his father's for him because he explained, you know, what it looked like and what it meant to him growing up. Well, his mother told me that she couldn't find it. She, they, she didn't have it. He took it with him and so it no longer existed. So we went by I said, well, describe it to me. Tell me what you can tell me. And she said, three rows of metals. That's all she could remember, and she gave me an approximation on size. So we got his, I got his military records. Uh, luckily, he had already asked for those military records, and he mentioned that earlier. We took his military records, and Bill and I pieced together what the rest of the history was and, and all his decorations to recreate his shadow box. Well, there and now you have, and you have both side by side. Uh, you have the uh, unit patches from World War II uh, in the center, and then on, on either flank of the patches is the awards received, uh, qualifications received by both Andrew and his and his dad. And it's a, a beautiful setup. Uh, in fact, I, I think I'm going to do the same thing with my father. It's well done. I, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I want to turn to uh, uh, Bill a little bit. Um, Bill, what other projects are you are you doing similar to what you did with the Gilmores? Well, we are going to be special doing some specialty publishing for some World War II authors. Um, the first two customers look like they're going to be a company called History on CD-ROM, which has digitized 50 World War II books, things like how to identify Japanese merchant ships and manuals about submarines and the like, and also a guy that has written a book on the 384th that Andrew's father belonged to named uh, Ken Decker. And those will be published under bookfactory.com. Now, did you, you, uh, you helped in getting some of the things in the shadow boxes. Uh, is that correct? Yes, sir. Now, the World War II. How did you go about getting some of the World War II unit uh, insignias? It was, uh, it was honestly quite entertaining, mostly due to the fact that there were mistakes in Andrew's father's records. 
and uh, things just were not lining up. Like yeah, that's it, never happened to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, it turns out when you use typewriters, I'm sure computers have perfected that, but <laughs> when you use typewriters in the 1940s, uh, some errors got introduced. It had the nothing to do with the typewriter, though, did it? Pardon, sir? It had nothing to do with the typewriter. Probably not. Yeah. The one that baffled us a lot was it said that he served in the Pacific Theater, and we were quite certain he did not have time to do that, um, <laughs> flying against Nazi Germany as many times as he did. Uh, but an organization uh, called Medals of America helped me take it apart, and then we cross-referenced three different parts of the orders that we got for him, and we were able to determine which things were correct and which ones were in error. And uh, then the next entertaining thing became finding them and recreating the patches, because the patches in World War II, there were so many zillions of units that, frankly, they were hand-painted. These weren't, you know, the 8th Air Force patch was done by the government, but the unit patches, some of which, uh, you know, you might not appreciate the, uh, the images on them, uh, were done by hand-painting. And I found a unit on the Internet that was willing to do that, a guy named FlightJackets.com, and they did a beautiful job recreating the, uh, the patches. Yeah, it's uh, you did a great job, and I'm sure that Gilmore is really appreciated. I'm very impressed with the work, and uh, we'd like to thank you from the Veterans uh, Radio Studio for that kind of effort for one of our fellow veterans. Well done. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, I want to turn to uh, Lou. Uh, Lou, are you with us still? Yes. You know, uh, Navy Seabees, um, you know, we may have to do a, a show sometime on capturing some of that kind of work. Uh, I think in the Air Force it's called Red Horse. I believe, uh, and of course, in the army, it's, uh, it's the engineers. Right. Um, I lived in CB Hooches in Vietnam when right. we were in the rear area, uh, right. and then 30, almost 30 years later, I lived in uh, uh, CB, uh, and some of them were Red Horse, Air Force Red Horse construction unit uh, Hooches in uh, Bosnia, and then uh, we also had them working in, with us in uh, in Kosovo. Right. Um, I mean, they're. You know, just thinking of different places we've trained and uh, uh, maneuvered, uh, quite a history of support, uh, the Seabees. Well, Seabees uh, was a, a, a terrific group of guys. Uh, the, uh, I was the youngest guy in our uh, battalion at the time, and most of the guys uh, were construction people. And... Uh, the only reason I got in, uh, I like the logo or the patch of the uh, the uh, little bee with the uh, with the jackhammers and the uh, uh, machine gun, and I certainly didn't have any construction background, but I uh, told the guy I was a water boy or a plumber. I was a plumber's helper for about three days when I was about 16 years old, so I put down that I was a, a plumber's helper, so. That helped me to uh, get into the service, but it was a, it was a, uh, a kind of, uh, it was military but non-military. We didn't have all of the, um, everything you had to go through, you know, with be between the Marines, the Army, the Air Force, uh, uh, the Navy, uh, and it was just a, a, a terrific bunch of guys that, uh, you know, we did what we had to do. And I was out in the Marshall Islands. We. Built an airstrip out there during that particular invasion, come back to Honolulu, then from Honolulu went out to the uh, uh, Philippines for the Philippine invasion. And uh, anybody that ever rode a LST, I was on one of those for about 30 days from uh, Honolulu to uh, uh, to the Lady uh, Gulf invasion. 
Let me ask you. Uh, yeah. Let me let me interrupt you and ask you one other question because we only have a few more yeah. minutes, I think, to the next break. Real quick, uh, do you think that uh, Hollywood is? And this is a this is a question from one of our uh, guests. Uh, that uh, sent, just, just sent this into us. Do you think Hollywood's doing a good job capturing the, the, the history of, of our military? Up to a point. I think that, uh, I think when you see the difference between uh, a, a show that Hollywood does, Hollywood does a show that, uh, to me, looks too plastic only because what we have in the archives is real, Footage, real guys getting hit, real tanks being blown up, real planes being uh, being blown up, and and they they do it up to a point. But there's a, a, a big difference between doing a documentary using real, honest to goodness footage opposed to not having that available in the show. Okay, Lou, we're going to be coming back to you because uh, Go we're going to be going in. I want to ask one quick question, though, to Peter. Peter, have you supported, uh, given uh, the, the actual history input to any kind of movie making? Uh, I'm not sure what, what you're getting at. Well, I mean, have you right now, provided uh, to Hollywood some stuff? Uh, not yet. In fact, we're trying to get some. Uh, uh, right now, we have over 15,000 items in our collection over the last year that we've put in. Over, yeah, over I would 4, think. I would think you'd be able to to support some yeah, of that. They'll, they'll be okay, we'll get back it. with you in the next segment on that, uh, Peter. Okay, thank you. You're listening to the Veterans Hour on the Talk 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 Radio Network. Mates, the Veterans Radio Hour now continues full speed ahead on the Talk Radio Network. Aye, aye, sir. And now, with the update on military news from around the world, here's General Dave reporting. As we started several shows ago, we talked about correspondent stories, correspondent heroes tied to the military. And tonight, it's Walter Cronkite of the United News Service, who covered four major assaults of the 82nd Airborne Division. In the tragedies of war, uh, you can occasionally be found some amusing incidents. For example, at Market Garden, his glider crash landed. Following the scramble of men and equipment and personal effects, Cronkite crawled on his hands and knees in search of his typewriter, believed to have been lost along a hedgerow. As he crawled cautiously, troopers followed him in a line like chicks behind a mother hen. Ultimately, stop and go, until his survey led him to discover that in a in the confusion, he had, by mistake, put on a captain's helmet, which led the glidermen to believe that they were following one of their officers. Cronkite rose to become universally known and respected as the Dean of Commentators. You're listening to the Veterans Hour with retired Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, back to the broadcast. Dave, GIM Productions have just let us know we're in 55 countries tonight right now and logged on 7,641 people. And one of those right now has just called in with us, a Malcolm Brown from the Veterans Museum in Houston. He wants to bring up a little subject to us about preserving the history of veterans. Malcolm, you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead, Malcolm. Well, uh, I wanted to uh, make your, your listeners aware of a project. It's a move to build a national veterans museum, and we've got uh, local congressmen ready to create the bill to create this museum. And it's a $100 million project, 
and the representation of the veterans will go all the way back to the, to the Revolutionary War. It's for the past, present, and for the future. And so uh, we will, we're in the process right now of locating the land site, and there are some issues that we're dealing with with the city council. It's timely that, uh, that your viewers hear about this, and the reason is because there's a major vote coming up on Wednesday. We're asking our mayor, Mayor Brown, to uh, put it on the agenda so that the city council can vote on the land site, it's a 35-acre package where we can build this National Veterans Museum. And uh, what uh, we need uh, support from the veterans community so that we can build this $100 million museum. And the way they can do it is to, okay, uh, what we need them to do is to express their, uh, their support to the mayor of Houston at mayor at cityofhouston.net and to the Houston City Council that can be accessed by uh, logging on to the website at www.ci.houston.tex.us slash citygovt flash flash okay well I'll tell you what you stay on the net after the show yes. uh, and we'll go over more detail on this uh, once the uh, the radio show is over when we keep the chat room open for a while okay all right Malcolm we'll come back to you thank, thank you very you. thank you thank you very much okay I want to uh, go to a magazine article uh, this magazine article is the Air Force uh, Association's uh, magazine called the Air Force magazine August uh, 1989. Uh, the title of the story in this magazine is The Saga of Barrel House Bessie by John Frisbee. And I believe there's several people in here that know the story, obviously the Gilmores, because it's about their dad. But Bill Murray, uh, are you with us still? Yes, sir. Okay, explain in less than a minute uh, this story about this, uh, this aircraft that uh, Andrew's dad flew. Okay, they were flying a mission against Nazi Germany, about 350 aircraft. Just to give you the scope, 25 lost, 160 damaged, 10 men lost, 215 MIAs, 35 wounded. And on the Barrelhouse Bessie and Colonel Gilmore, Major at the time, was in charge of that aircraft. They got shot up bad over Bremen. As they were coming into England, they were jumped again, and he ended up losing enough of the engines that they had to ditch it in the sea. He ditched it near a, uh, near a ship. Uh, unfortunately, three men were lost, uh, including one that won the uh, Distinguished Serv Service Medal, Technical Sergeant Henry, and seven were recovered uh, from the mission. And the aircraft, of course, was lost. Okay, and that's uh, and that's where they got the Silver Star. Is that correct? Yes, sir, it is. I believe signed by General Doolittle. Oh, is that right? Because we talked about the last show. We talked about uh, Doolittle, Doolittle's raid uh, in April after the uh, Pearl Harbor. Yes, sir. And Bill, tell him about the accident report. How you found the accident report? It, it, it was preposterous. There's a there's a website that actually tracks all accidents back to like 1914 uh -oh. called accidentreport.com with a dash in the middle. And they sent me a 17-page report that Andrew had never seen before of all the uh, the entries on the accident and uh, investigation into the situation, et cetera. That's amazing. Uh, I was, yeah. Yeah. I want to, I'm going to go back to the Gilmores and that in a minute. I want to go first to Peter, though, and ask Peter, there's some people have been asking on the website uh, how to register with the veterans' uh, history. How okay. do you do that? Well, as I've been listening to your guest, all I've been hearing is a, 
a real testimony for participation in the Veterans History Project because there's no experience that compares with doing a one-on-one -on -one oral history with the actual person right in front of you giving you that, that their story. And, and to participate, to get a kit from us, we have, we have a toll-free number that you can call and leave your address and we'll send you a kit. And it's at 1-888-371-5800. Uh, you leave a message on that line. Or you go to our website at www.loc.gov slash vets, V-E-T-S. Okay. All right. Thank you, Peter. That'll, that'll answer that. We only have like 40 seconds left. I want to go to Lou in a few seconds, Lou. Yes. Tell us what uh, veterans, what people can do for veterans real quick to preserve this history, these uh, stories. I think that uh, what the parents should do, is the, the, uh, the, the grandkids and the, uh, and the children are the ones that can actually get the stories from the veterans. Through the schools, getting the kids into the schools, to hear the veterans, uh, we've, we've gone and done this with our shows for many, many years, and it's amazing how much information can be developed. Okay, well, thank you, Lou, and, and if those that can stay on, we're going to keep the chat room open, but I want to thank Lou Rita, uh, Peter Bartis, Bill Murray, the Gilmores, and we're gonna, the Gilmores are going to be right here with us uh, for about 15, 20 more minutes tonight, and we're going to get into some more detail, and, and we're going to ask for some help about uh, Andrew's dad. Thank you very much for Veterans Radio Hour. We appreciate your participation. Hua and out. Okay, and here we are. We're still live on the Veterans Radio Hour, and this is live over our internet. As I said before, we've got over 7,000 people plugged on with us. So uh, if you want some of you people, we've got the chat room happening. It's getting a little crowded, but it's always good that we are able to pull out to our chat master, Mark Eli, some of the more pertinent questions that make sense. And we'll be getting to those in, in just a minute. Uh, I wanted to say to the Gilmores how uh, happy I am to, to be able to look at all the memorabilia that has been put together. And with our new partner, Military.com, I'm finding out that they do also uh, not a, uh, only help you to locate more of the friends that you're looking for, but uh, also, I guess, um, as uh, your good friend Bill Murray was able to find out, exactly where else you can go to have the, the medals made. I even hear that there's uniform recreations that are being made. and, and from everything from hats to patches. Uh, very, very unique. Uh, can you tell us, the, one of the shadow boxes, I believe, is your father's and one's yours then. Is that correct? That's correct. And they're made uh, exactly alike. Of course, Dad has a lot more medals than I've got, but uh, that's what Patty and Bill wanted to do is put side by side our, our particular careers and, and the medals that went with them. And, and getting the medals and getting, in particular, there was one World War II, was it, was it a pen, Bill? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, Bill's there. Bill, are you there? Yes, sir. Yeah, go what, ahead. What, what was the World War II pen that you had to get? It's commonly known as the ruptured duck. It's the honorable discharge opinion pen from World War II that ends up being, uh, we didn't find out he had been given it, which we should have known, frankly, until about 72 hours before your ceremony. <laughs> so, <laughs> we started having we interesting had nights here in California. Yeah, we had to try in uh, the, uh, the uh, I called him the shadow box dude, the guy I hired to do these shadow boxes, great guy on base that I was referred to. And uh, so here we had the, there's actually a ribbon and uh, it was going to be centered and then here came this little duck thing that Bill's sending me FedEx to my neighbor 
all of this was sent, you know, everything couldn't get sent to our house, so I had my neighbor be our FedEx lady, and everything got sent back and forth there. And so we had to reposition the metals at the very last minute. You know, we were at the 11th hour trying to get everything in, and Bill was still finding information. It was like, okay, okay, we can't take any more information. Yeah, well, they, they are beautiful. They're well done. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew, you had a question earlier, and we couldn't get to it, uh, and maybe the listeners can help you out about your dad. Go ahead and, uh, and uh, express your wishes, please. And the question I really had is anyone that served with dad in the 384th Bomb Group, the 544th Bomb Squadron, or the 812th Bomb Group, or the 482nd Bomb Squadron, that uh, if anybody served with him or knew dad during the times, if they could uh, contact me at andrew at bookfactory.com or uh, come to our website, and andrewgilmore.com, and somehow get in touch with us because you know, he's, he's been gone 22 years, and, and there's got to be people that served with him and, and know a little bit about uh, his history and his valor in World War II. And Bill went through some of the losses on those raids with the B-17s, and it's just absolutely phenomenal yeah. what young men did during that time, you know, straight out of college, straight out of high school into that environment. Now, some of the listeners uh, may not have known him, but they'll, they have connectivity uh, to others that may have. Now, one, again, slowly. Read the units. Yes, it's the 384th Bomb Group. He was in the 544th Bomb Squadron, and then the 812th Bomb Group, the 482nd Squadron. Then Andrew, you have the last two reversed. Okay, go, go ahead, Bill. Yes, it's the 482nd Bomb Group, 812th Squadron, which is the Pathfinders out of Alconbury, England. Got it. Okay. Okay, Bill, were you uh, Andrew's adjutant? <laughs> <laughs> I was an unindicted co-conspirator of Technical Sergeant Gilmore. Yeah, Bill and I did serve together. We were uh, in the uh, AWACS program office up at Hanscom Air Force Base together. That's where we met. Yeah. Well, you know, it really helps to have a, someone watch your six wingman. <laughs> My wingman's out there somewhere behind the, behind the Veterans Radio Center bar. Uh, where is he? He's sleeping next to uh, the lieutenant commander. Yeah, he is asleep. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, how about what? What about in the chat room here? Well, we've got uh, some good stuff in the chat room. Uh, I, I think uh, those numbers you just mentioned, the uh, squadrons uh, that your father was in. Uh, we have Big Steve out there. Uh, he knows a lot of these different people all over the world. It seems. I'm sure he'll be looking into that. One of the questions in the chat room: um, Does the Air Force still practice painting a symbol on the right side of the airplane's canopy for each enemy fighter that they shoot down? Who, who, who knows that? Bill? Yes. Bill, we know we know you know it. Is that right? They do? Yes, sir. I mean, they don't paint on the canopy. They paint it just beneath the canopy for all um, aircraft shot down as well as bombing missions. Yeah. Hey, there was a, there was a great chat room question from Jay Greeley. Do you see it down there? Uh, scroll down. I think it had to do with the upcoming anticipation, and I'm sure it's going to happen, of the uh, National Guard Reserve for Operation Enduring Freedom. Operation Iraq 2, whatever they call that, if it happens. Uh, and this question had to do with uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, National Guard and RC soldiers affected by get that out of there by call-ups. Uh, what can we do as vets to help those guys and their families? Uh, I can tell you right now. I mean, there's a lot of organizations doing things downtown here in Chicago. The USO is helping with uh, phone you know, telephone cards to National Guard members uh, that get activated for state uh, Article 32 uh, 
uh, activation or federal, which is Article 10, Title 10, I mean, not Article, Title 32 and Title 10. Our foundation, the one I'm a member of, the McCormick Tribune Foundation, uh, just awarded a grant to the Illinois National Guard for phone cards, stamps, and, and some personal item support items for those being deployed. And so there's a lot of organizations, I think, out there doing that right now. Uh, and that's just to name a few. I'm sure there's a lot of others, and, and maybe some people know some others. Go ahead and share that in the chat room if you do. But I think people are anticipating a very large call-up because the Army's too small for the upcoming operations. It's too small before we started these current operations. So it's, it's taxed out a lot, and uh, everything that the American citizens can do to help would be great. Yeah, another chat room from Gene in Houston. Uh, I guess he's uh, trying to ask Malcolm Brown a little bit more on um, this Veterans Museum. Is there some way, or Malcolm, you still with us? Some way that, uh, you know, other than trying to remember that long website you gave us. Uh, is uh, it's, it's, uh, you can log on to the city of Houston, and uh, you can get each individual city councilman's email address. They need to know that uh, that they need to know that uh, there's a plenty of support coming from the veterans community for a national veterans museum to be built all over for all veterans to be built here at Houston for all veterans across this nation. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. veterans museum. DaveVeteransMuseumInTexas.org is our website, and they can address their individual questions to me. But this week, we've got a major vote coming before the Houston City Council, and it's just imperative that we let the uh, City Council in Houston know so that they can vote on a land site for this, uh, for this museum. We've got congressmen ready to create the bill that will designate this as the National Veterans Museum, for one, and then secondly, to provide some measure of funding for the uh, for the museum so that we can get going. Okay, let me let me interrupt you just for a second, Malcolm, and ask you one question before yes. we go ahead and, and issue an order at yes. the Veterans Radio Center to activate an emergency call-up yes. to support your cause. Explain why that museum is needed, because there's confusing confusion out there of all the different museums we have everywhere. There's D-Day Museum in Virginia. There's the D-Day Museum in, uh, in New Orleans. Uh, as an example, there's two Army museums now, a little bit in competition starting out. There's museums everywhere. And I'm involved with a museum here at, uh, with the McCormick Tribune Foundation. Kenny's involved with the, with the museum, Vietnam Veterans Art, which is going to become a national we military hope. art, I hope, uh, foundation. Why is this special? Is there another one? Is it a duplication? Explain it real quick. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it is, it is the only national museum there is no national veterans museum for any branch of the service what you find in the country right now are museums that are built for the event like vietnam or d-day or for some organization at air force unit this covers the history of the individuals that fought in the wars which is why uh this, what your program was all about tonight which is what we're trying to do uh, we want to bring in this educational resource, which takes the kids out of the classrooms and have them interview their favorite veteran. And we've interfaced with over 25 school districts just in our area, but this will go nationwide when this project's uh, kicked in gear. They'll ask their favorite veteran, why do you think this country's great and worth defending? And if you feel like talking about it, what are some of your experiences? We, too, want to be part of that National Library uh, uh, project that is uh, being instituted 
and we will feature a story per week of a veteran uh, per branch of the service so that the public can find out what the story of, I mean, the stories of these individuals and why they defend the Constitution. Many people think of defending the Constitution as a court action where you've got a plaintiff's attorney and a jury and a judge and uh, a defendant, but we think the veterans defend the Constitution 365 days a year. Okay. We understand we have the mission, all listeners tonight from the Veterans Radio Center, you have a mission to uh, do exactly what Malcolm said. You get the word in there that you want this museum, that you support this museum, and it's a national necessity. That's the mission. That's the order. Now, I want to go right now to a call. Uh, uh, someone just came back already from Andrew's request. and says that this uh, Big Steve has two clients that flew with the 385th and the 94th bomb groups. How's that for immediate response? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I think like we have that. some people that may know Big Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Few people in the audience. Yeah. Know. So uh, okay, so the mission started. There it goes. That's the that's the first one across the line of departure. The LD. More to come. Yeah, Big uh, Steve, you call uh, after the show ends. You give my cell a call again. <laughs> we'll hook you up with them. Patty. I want to say that that is the the best present that anybody could give Andrew would be any kind of history that any anybody has any dealings with his dad you know his dad's been gone for 22 years and that would be the best Christmas present that anybody could give him that's why um, putting the shadow boxes together and you know I, I've thanked him profusely anyhow but Bill Murray is a gem he is a, a wonderful friend to our family and is and worked very very hard to um, help pull all this together I, I couldn't have done it without him but that is the best Christmas present anybody could give him well, except his wife of course but um, um, <laughs> But that could be the best Christmas present anybody could do to, to uh, for Andrew. And um, thanks for all your support. Yeah, I, I, I want to thank the Gilmores for the service to the United States of America, the military family, the different generations. That's wonderful. I have to say this too. My brother is active duty Air Force. <laughs> well, there you go, see? And he is deployed right now to Qatar. And uh, that's a hot spot right now. And uh, he's a communications guy. He's a senior airman in the United States Air Force. So it lives on in our family, and we're real proud of him. There you go. And actually, of, of, the, of that area, um, Qatar's a good country to be in compared to the others. That doesn't mean he's not in harm's way. It just means that's a more supportive uh, country, as you well know. So, yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, Kenny, we're going to wrap it up here. Yeah, unless uh, we've got anything else. Bill, uh, you want to close out with us, and then we'll let Malcolm talk for a second, too? I just want to say thank you for letting us be on tonight. Andrew, thank you for letting me be part of this. And uh, for your listeners out there, we put something on our site with a list of the 10 best sites that helped us pull together information. It's at bookfactory.com forward slash veterans with an S dot HTML. And it's got a link of all the sites that were real helpful to us. Thank okay. you again. Okay, Bill, great. All right. Do you got anything else from the Gilmores? Thanks so much for having us here. It's, a, it's an interesting story, and I hope that everybody that listens knows to document the history of the veterans you've got out there right now, because once they're gone, that history goes with them. There you go. And Malcolm, I'd like you to uh, know that there is a national museum. I do admit it's uh, the Vietnam Veterans National Museum. But um, we wish you the very best of luck there. I, I know I get some some stuff from uh, Eugene every now and then on my emails. Um, the best of luck to you with your museum. 
Thank you, and uh, we look forward to uh, portraying the stories of the individuals that fought the battles that defended this country, and, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to bring it to the, your listeners. Yeah, we'll be back with you, Malcolm, uh, through the show uh, in the future, so just hang with us uh, periodically through the next uh, 2003. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Goodbye now. Bye, I just want to add one more thing. I didn't say my brother's name. He's senior airman William DeQuinzio deployed to Qatar for 179 days, and I'm just really proud of him. It's my baby brother. Thank okay, you. and you have the last word. <laughs> okay. I usually do. <laughs> well, I got one uh, one thing just came in from Houston. They want to know the Vietnam Veterans uh, America um, chapters here in Houston. Uh, just had a show for vets um, that are incarcerated. Gene, you're going to have to type this in a little bit. It says, the Vietnam Veterans Art Museum that you have in Chicago should be aware that the Vietnam Vets of America chapter here in Houston just had a show for vets that are incarcerated. Uh, does that mean veterans that are in military prisons and you had a show for them? Anyway, because we did have one on our chat room uh, come in and say we should do a show on military prison. We were talking about it earlier yeah. tonight, and we discussed how very complicated that could be. Yeah. Dave, you, you have Especially a good... Especially that guest, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, but we're, please send in your, your recommendations for shows, because we, we received about uh, almost a half dozen, I guess. Yes, we have. Right? And uh, either some are the same that we already have on our list to do, yeah, or but we welcome the ideas. And let me mention a few. You know, next week, uh, definitely come along with us because we're going to be doing something about the holidays for all of our veterans. Uh, some great stories about where people were during uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and and New Year's, even Fourth of July uh, history uh, stories. We also are going to be doing uh, right after that the best of. Be with us on the 29th, the end of our uh, year, the last show. Uh, General Dave and I are going to sort of talk about some of the the, the, the bloopers, uh, but also some of the great points that we had with all of the, the different shows. On the 5th, if everything works out, it looks like we for sure are arranging a great show on the Rangers. It's a show Dave's been bugging me since we started. Uh, um, I'm proud to find out that Dave is the 7th commanding officer of the Rangers. Right. He's named a couple of the few other guys to me. and. Uh, it's quite a great history, a line of uh, generals who have been able to um, to have that command. And so we're going to have a few of those uh, people on, we hope, with us. And we uh, look like we might even have uh, on a ranger who was the actual captain that uh, Tom Hanks played in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, he lives in this area, and if everything works out, he'll be sitting in Andrew's chair uh, back on January 5th. And then on the 12th, we're doing a USO show. That's right. We got a, a great show coming up with USO Worldwide. We're going to have um, the um, president of the of USO is going to be on with us and a couple others. And we are trying to pull some strings for some very special surprise guests. Uh, definitely listen in uh, on the radio or for sure all of you right now, stay with us at VeteransRadioHour.com. Dave, have okay. a great week. You too, Kenny. Thank you. And thanks all the guests. And thank you in the audience. Hooah.